Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. This is the Leftovers Podcast with Derek Kramer. I'm going to say a stupid thing right now. Pudding. Where's my money? Frank R. Curry. I didn't say run through a wall. Do it again? Okay. And Kyle Powell. The Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR550.com. Welcome into another Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. And Kyle Powell. And no Frank R. Curry today as Frank is... Uh, on assignment, busting through some drywall, you know? He's got he's got to keep paying bills. And the best way he does that is busting through drywall. It's tough out there. It's it, it's the bit that will never die. Sometimes you don't choose the living. It chooses you. <laughs> it's, the, it's the bit that will never die. All right, so the, uh, the third preseason week is here, Kyle. It's dress rehearsal day where we could – try to take as much of it as seriously as possible. Unless you're the Indianapolis Colts. Unless you're the Indianapolis Colts, right, because, you know, they've got pretty much nobody playing right now. Which, I respect that. And by nobody, I mean literally just their team in Andrew Luck. Which is, that's always tough, but at the same time, you know what, whatever. It is what it is. The, uh... The Bills playing on Friday... Well, tomorrow, since you're hearing this podcast, probably on a... But if you're hearing it on Friday, on Friday, against the Detroit Lions, and I don't care about the Lions. I don't care about any of that. Biggest thing, of course, that we mentioned for Monday, get up. Don't matter what happened to you, just get up. Please get up and be okay. That's all I'm looking for. It's a very low expectation that I have for this football game. And I've got to say that that's really just my biggest thing. Other than that, though, I do want to see if Cole Beasley continues to get open against literally everything. I do want to see if the offensive line can protect a little better there. I do want to see if if Josh Allen can keep hitting those things because do remember that one of his biggest problems through last year was dude can't hit the shorter throws to save his life. The accuracy. Yes, the accuracy. And, uh, no, it's um, it's not really the uh, issue here. If he keeps hitting these underneath, so I'm going ge- to keep having hope about this guy because the biggest problem last year was, hey, um, Allen can't hit these short things to save his life. What's going on here? Is this an NFL quarterback? Like, that's what a lot of people are saying, especially in the pre-draft process. Guy can't hit his checkdowns to save his life. Yeah, I want I want to say it's a small sample size, and you only hear certain people in the national media talk about Josh Allen. But going into year two, I do believe the stance has softened. Yes, a little bit on Josh Allen's uh, career projection, what he can be all about on the football field. People have seen his progress. Uh, he's got that mentality you love under center. It's a guy that. You know, 
you hear the horror stories in Miami now with Josh Rosen and whether you want to take it with a grain of salt or not, you know, head coach uh, Brian Flores has seen some bad body language from a guy like Josh Rosen. Sure. Whatever. I know. But you look at Josh Allen and his potential progression this year, and you listen to a guy yesterday who we had on WGR and Therese Paler out of Kansas City. Yes. And he had a lot of high praise for Josh Allen. He believes a lot. He called him a Pro Bowl candidate. Whether or not you want that to be the ceiling for Josh Allen, that's your opinion. But of all the horror stories we did hear being in this area, um, pre-draft, as you mentioned, you know, what are you really getting out of this guy at seven? Why would you draft a project at seven? It was tough sledding for a while. And then the tweets, a while. The tweets like surfaced, <laughs> and just everything seemed to be against the guy. And he's really taking it all in stride. And as is the case for many young quarterbacks taken high in drafts these days, the 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 shelf life and the pressure to succeed while on that rookie deal is so high that more often than not, year two is incredibly pivotal for these quarterbacks. You know, all five of those guys from last year are going into year two. Whether they had starting roles is different. The, all the all the cities they're in are different in their situations. But look no further than Philadelphia. Not not too far removed, 2017, Carson Wentz, year two. Led them to what was primarily his success with a 13-3 and season and then had the injury, but he was an MVP candidate. And even with losing three games at the end of the year, there was still a lot of conversation that he should have been that MVP candidate. There's plenty of examples around the league of year one, learning the league, cutting your teeth, grinding through a 16-game season, 14 starts, 12 starts, a couple appearances in relief, whatever it may be, whatever the situation. But year two – is really important because most teams want to get the most out of these quarterbacks before that big payday comes. And we're getting to that point here in Buffalo. Yeah, and you're seeing promise from what has been the preseason action so far. And again, take it with a grain of salt. It is preseason, but at the same time, this is why, like, when someone writes something about Josh Allen and it's not necessarily endearing. It's like a lot of what they're saying, though, is, oh, Buffalo's playing a safe passing game right now. And hang on, wasn't that his problem? Right. So why are you dogging the guy when, quite frankly, it's the focus of the Buffalo offense and Brian Dable where they're having him throw a lot? They're going to be mixing it up and balancing the play calling throughout during a regular season game, and they're going to feel and they're going to face actual, more legitimate disguised coverages. But one of Allen's biggest weaknesses is what they are focusing on, and that is a big thing. Hey, we got this Cole Beasley guy in for you, so that if you throw it to him, he's going to come up with it. Let's test this. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, there's plenty of new weapons that he would have to get used to, even if, even if it was the same general core that he was working with in year two. I think this scheme and this play calling decisions that Dayball has been giving to Josh Allen in the first quarters of these first two games has been strong because the preseason is what it is anyway. Yes. It's not taken seriously. So if you're on the field, at least getting live reps against what could be considered the closest kind of defensive schemes you'll see until the regular season. And NFL starters. You may as well work on your weaknesses and hone that craft than try and get a strength – 
We know what you've got. Benefit you've got the more. legs. Don't, don't throw got... deep balls in preseason. Work on the stuff. Give me those checkdowns. Yes. Show me that you can scan the entire field and stay in the pocket a little longer. Yes. Because we know you can run it. Before you make that snap decision to break it and rush for 20 yards. Like, we yeah. saw enough of that. We know you're capable of it, but it's also a dangerous kind of play scheme to, yeah, especially to in the operate pre-season. over a 16-game season. So work on those eyes. Lorenzo Alexander, or Alexander said it yesterday in, uh, after practice. I want to get out of preseason healthy, and I want to have my eyes. I want to have them ready, NFL ready, to scan, in his case, an offense. But same goes for Josh Allen. Scan that field. I want to see you in that pocket longer, and we have seen that so far. Yeah, we that was a weakness really, of his. We haven't seen him break anything. Yeah. And they're honing in on that weakness, and that's important. To fans' hearts, that's probably a good thing, because otherwise blood pressure might be raised. Uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, you're looking at a guy who you know he can leg it, you know he can chuck it over the mountains, we don't need to see that right now. When he did on his very first play of preseason last year, it's because he was the rookie playing with the third team. Get the fans hyped about the second half of a preseason game. Right. Long bomb time. This is not that case. You know Allen's the starter. You know what he can do. And you know what he can do well. Let's work on those things that you don't do as well. And that's exactly what I'm seeing here, and that's why... It's very hypocritical if I see a writer say something like, oh, Allen's playing a very safe offense right now. Yeah, because that's what he's bad at, is being give, safe. <laughs> and I give him even more props because... He's bad at being safe. <laughs> after 12 starts last year, that becomes instinct. Yes. And it's tough to break. And instinctually, some people may have been looking to see if he would do that. That damn Jets game that he started. And he hasn't really so far. Because when he made that play against Green Bay, he's rolling out, he's under pressure, he throws this thing, heaves it across on a miracle try to, you know, play hero ball, and it gets picked. And it was Buffalo's best chance at points in that game. And then that Jets game, he does that same thing. It's like, you were looking so good. Why'd you do that? And that's what this is. Allen, for all intents and purposes for better or for worse, is not good at being safe. He likes to take chances. He likes having faith in his arm. That is a... Wouldn't you? Careful. Careful how you interpret how I say this. Anybody. It is a Brett Favre-like trait to have faith in your arm. I'm not saying he's Brett Favre. Just making that crystal clear right now. He has that faith in his arm. That he can squeeze that tight throw in. It doesn't work all the time. Hey, let's see this uh let's see this guy who can cause great separation for you and get open and you can hit him with any sort of check and he can get you yards after the catch. Let's see that. There was one throw in particular actually from last week where he's a little behind Beasley and if he's not, that's twenty yards. Because Beasley catches it on the fly and he can just roll. But it's thrown behind him, so Beasley has to catch it from behind and then protect himself in order to uh, not get destroyed by somebody. But if he catches that in stride, he's blasting past that safety based on his pursuit angle. And you're looking at easily a first down and more from that kind of play. Because the minute he threw that ball, I was like, oh, that was a little behind. This is what I want to see. What the Bills are doing play-calling-wise on offense is exactly what I want in the preseason. Give me lots of Josh Allen. 
Give me lots of Devin Singletary. Let's see these things. Let me see these new weapons. We might see Dawson Knox tomorrow. That's going to be great news. You know what that means? The Bills are probably going to give us a lot of Dawson Knox. He's got a lot of time to make up for. That he does. Reports that will be pretty managed, too, so we'll see. Yeah, but he gets hurt right at the start of training camp. Yep. And we don't get to see him in any game action. Tommy Sweeney took full advantage of this. But we get to see Dawson Knox tomorrow, and if it's managed, that's one thing. But he's got ground to make up, and if he can make a couple splash plays wherever he's up with, uh, say, with Allen or Barkley or Tyree, this would be the time to do it because Kroom's not going to be playing. This is your chance to save your roster spot. Not that Dawson Knox, I don't think, is in danger of getting cut, but like... That's something to prove. Spot on the depth chart, I should say. Sure. You're not going to get buried if you make a couple of nice plays. Because let's be real, we know Lee Smith ain't going to make any plays. It's not his job. It's not his role. It's not his particular skill set. There's a lot of intrigue still with this third game, and it makes for an interesting weekend here. Because we're going to watch it, and we're going to take everything out of it, and we're going to weigh this one the heaviest, because that's what we do. As fans, as media, we all try to say, hey, remember, take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, this one's going to weigh more than the others. Whether you want to believe it or not. <laughs> Whether you want to believe it or not, you're going to hear it. And I'm, I've got to be the one to say I've got to slow down. I know this. But at the same time, I'm going to be nuanced in what I take away from it. And you should be too. There are things to take away. But if the Bills win 31-7 to and it's 24 nothing at halftime, that does not mean we're going to the Super Bowl. One, it's Detroit, and two, it's the first half of a preseason game still. Even if it is the one where the starters play the entire first half. So, I'm ready to see what Josh Allen could do again for another half. I'm excited to see what Brian Dable does with the play calling again. And... I'm desperately cheering for every player to just get up and avoid injury. That's that's my big three things. Let's get her done. Let's get her done. It's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be something where there's a lot of position battles, and we're going to talk with Matt Perino in a couple moments to uh, dig more into that. But, again, this is for me. I have to check myself, too. I have to be responsible in that. I have to make sure that I remind people, hey, we're going to measure this game, but don't take everything. Take some of it. That's going to be something to look at, is we're going to be able to see some things that we want to see. And that's exactly what I loved about Dable throughout this preseason, is that we're seeing what we want to see. He knows the questions. They're the same questions that we all have. Cole Beasley's here. Can we get something going with him and Josh Allen? 
We drafted Devin Singletary in the third round. Let's see what this kid can do. Because we know what LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore can do. They've had a whole career off of it, and they're still strong in the 30s. McCoy less so from last year, but I really like to blame the last year's offensive line. Because think about it. Russell Bodine was a disaster in the preseason games he played. Vlad Dukas already got cut. Jordan Mills is awful in Miami. You ask any Miami beat reporter. That's half your starting line last year. Oh, Armando Salguero last week was hysterical. Oh, he was not a Jordan Mills fan. Jordan Mills is starting <laughs> on this Dolphins line. That's yeah, all. Yeah, guess what? That happened last year. To know. That's a big mood, Armando. Like, that was us last year. And then John Miller was not good last year and the Bills are like alright we're good here we don't need you anymore now with the new offensive line coach things are looking a little more steadied up nothing against Juan Castillo he's done some good things but I think part of his coaching career will always be remembered as the guy who ended up getting thrown into defensive coordinator with Chip Kelly yeah <laughs> we don't need to talk about that sorry Kyle That's sorry it's alright <laughs> but enough about the minutia of things. Let's go ahead and turn our attention instead to what we got to look at in particular for the position battles, the health of the players, and everything else of the sort. New York's upstate New York upstate's Matt Perino joining us now on the Leftovers podcast. Matt, it's Derek, it's Kyle. How you doing today? I am great. Ready for uh, you know, the most meaningful of meaningless games tomorrow in Detroit when we get a, uh, a look at the first-team offense and defense for probably about a half, and we can uh, sink our teeth into that and obviously some roster battles that are still going on. So exciting time, uh, 17 days away from the opener. So I think Bills fans uh, should, should start getting ramped up here. We're almost there. Yes, and uh, in particular, you just mentioned it. It's the, it's the most meaningful of the meaningless. And one of the things Kyle and I have been discussing throughout uh, the podcast earlier today is – I've loved Brian Dable's focused play calling. A lot of times when Josh Allen's on the field, there's a lot of passing going on, and it's a lot of the shorter stuff that Allen needs to work on. When it's the second team, they get a lot of focus in for Devin Singletary. Then he is out of the game. What have you taken away from Brian Dable and his uh, his play calling methods throughout this preseason? You know, I think that it's been a concerted effort to get Josh Allen as many reps as they can get him. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's... You know, a little bit of vanilla. I, I think that they are going to run a little bit more than they've uh, let on here early in the preseason. But I, I just think there's a lot of new pieces that have to get kind of uh, greased up here in this offense. You look at Cole Beasley and John Brown uh, and, and across the offensive line. I mean, last game, you're, you're talking about four new starters uh, that have to get uh, used to playing in this offense and with Brian Dable. So, I think that, you know, he's kind of just, you know, stretching the legs a little bit, getting things going. Uh, I've been very impressed with uh, the play of John Feliciano. I think he's really stood out in terms of, uh, you know, new acquisitions. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Cole Beasley, and I apologize for the truck going down my street here as I'm on my front porch because the kids are uh, playing inside. But, no, I think, uh, you know, John Feliciano has been a guy that, I think it was kind of an afterthought, right? When 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 the the free agency, uh, the abundance of signings was happening, he was kind of just a toss in. It's like you know a depth guy from Oakland, 
and he's come in here and solidified that backup center spot, uh, could be in the mix for the starting right guard job. Uh, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but, yes, uh, two days ago at practice, he was uh, in, in one of the warm-up drills, and obviously we're not allowed to watch all of practice anymore, uh, but it was Mitch Morse at center uh, working in uh, half-line drills with Feliciano and Ty Insecki. And then uh, Cody Ford came in the in the, in the second tier uh, at right guard. So I think you know you, you have to be happy with the early returns. Obviously, like we said, you can't take too much away from preseason. But uh, things things seem to be going well uh, as opposed to this time last year when they were entering this game and it, they they exited with uh, you know a performance that included five sacks of Josh Allen and an offensive line that looked like it was you know, uh, arena league level. So uh, I, I think you have to be happy with at least where they are heading into this thing. Cody Ford yesterday in some post-practice audio discussed the impact that John Feliciano has had on him so far in training camp and some of the preseason games. Uh, I'd like I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, if you could, because Cody Ford specifically tar- targeted Feliciano and um, how, how strong his impact has been on Ford since with all the injuries on the line, he's had to balance between right guard and a little bit of tackle as well. And with Feliciano having experience on both in those both positions, um, Ford said that that was very helpful having him around. I was wondering what else you've heard or seen from both players and how uh, Feliciano has been very helpful in uh, Ford's development in both sides. Well, John has. Been, I've been. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with him over the course of training camp and. You know, he told me that basically he's had to just get used to playing wherever they put him. You know, when you come in and you're not a heralded guy, a top a top three or four round pick, you have to kind of fit in where they tell you to go. And that, that um, you know, those repetitions at all of these various positions over the course of his career have prepared him for what Brian Dable and Bobby Johnson are asking him to do. And I actually was talking to Bobby Johnson uh, about a week ago and I'll have a story on John Feliciano in the, in, in the next week or so as well. But Bobby told me some interesting things. He said the, everybody made so much of the connection of Feliciano to Johnson. Well, he said that they should because every experience that he had when he coached him led to him telling John when they were going their separate ways, if I ever have a chance to coach you or impact a decision to bring you onto a team that I'm a part of again, I am not going to blink because he brings so many different elements to the equation, starting with his toughness, physical toughness, but mental toughness, the ability to take whatever the coaching staff is asking him to do and do it without questioning or asking any questions. And then on the field, he finishes his blocks. He brings that nasty mentality uh, with him, which I think was lacking on this offensive line last year. And it started with offensive line coach at the time, Juan Castillo, who I, I don't think really – uh, tried to get the most out of guys from a, from a physicality and you know nastiness perspective, and, and it showed. And he's a, and, and Bobby said straight up, he's a finisher. He's a guy that I know is going to go out there and 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 play till through the whistle every single time. And that kind of mentality and that kind of example rubs off on other guys. And you know, John said that it, it's tough on Cody right now. They're asking a lot of it, a lot of him early on here because. If you remember back when camp started, Sean and Brian both said, we, we, we want to bring him along slowly. We're, we're giving him the right tackle reps right now. We don't want to put too much on his plate too fast. Well, two weeks later and all these injuries and they're flipping him inside and they're, they're making him kind of 
do that dance in between the guard and tackle spot. And, and John said, listen, that's tough on a rookie. You're already going up against a completely different uh, level of competition on the other side. And for Ford, he's going against Trent Murphy who and Daryl Johnson, who have been lights out all of training camp. So he's dealing with a lot. I think that, you know, Joe Biscaglia put out a really good piece on The Athletic uh, where he kind of dug into his first two games of tape and, you know, made the argument of why – long-term, he projects much better as a guard. And I think that you almost want to get to the spot where you could have some faith in Ty and Secchi to stay healthy um, and and be able to slot forward in at guard and give him those reps because I think that's where he does project better long-term. But right now, he's he's just dealing with a lot, and it's good to have guys like Feliciano and even Spencer Long, who's been in this league and started games in this league, to lean on. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to watch the development of this offensive line, the chemistry, and who kind of steps up as leaders because they didn't have a lot of those last year. Matt Perino of New York Upstate joining us here on the Leftovers podcast. Matt, a lot has been mentioned uh, as you brought up Bobby Johnson and how this offensive line really is looking. But Kyle and I, we brought it up, and it was we mentioned that last year Vlad Dukas was a starter on this team. Jordan Mills was a starter on this team. Uh, Russell Bodine struggled in the limited action he got in preseason before he went down with an injury. Just the different state of this offensive line altogether, and there's one name that oftentimes has been going largely unsung throughout the preseason, and that's guard Quentin Spain, who has the role of playing next to Deion Dawkins this year. Yeah, he's he's come in and solidified that left guard spot, and it's interesting, we've talked so much about the flux of the center, right guard, and right tackle spots throughout training camp. On that left side, it's been Deion Dawkins and Quentin Spain since they broke uh, minicamp and OTAs all the way back in the spring. And, uh, you know, he's looked fine. Uh, I I think that if you go back and watch that Panthers game going up against the defense that, you know, is kind of transitioning from 4-3 to 3-4 without Luke Keekley. They definitely weren't at full strength. But I thought Deion and Quentin did, did did a great job. I'm excited to see what they do up against this Detroit Lions defense uh, on Friday. But, yeah, he, I don't think anybody should be surprised. When they signed him, I figured him as a day-one starter as one of the guards. He brings 48 starts with him from four years in Tennessee. He's been a real solid guy. And I think that playing alongside a guy like Mitch Morse can raise the level of play for that, for that left guard and right guard spot. And I think that Quentin Spain could be a, a beneficiary if Mitch Morris can get back from this concussion protocol, it looks like he's getting pretty close. They're going to hold him out Friday, but I think that that's a precaution. I think that he could probably play uh, if they had a game, even maybe Sunday. Uh, so I think that uh, there's definitely – you're right. There was some really bad football players in this offensive line last year, and they were they, – and that's to be expected. They ripped this roster down. Uh, they had some uh, untimely retirements in Richie Incognito, who went to the Pro Bowl the year before he retired. And Eric Wood, who was, you can't really overstate what he meant to this line from a leadership and continuity perspective. So now they've, they've, they've re-upped, they've, they've uh, reimagined this offensive line. They brought in Mitch Morris uh, to kind of be the, uh, the, the glue that holds it all together. And, you know, I think it's a big year for Deion Dawkins, too. I think he's played well. Uh, I think it was pro football focus, and I know we could talk about the validity of that. Some people are higher on that uh, than others. Uh, but they had him graded as the top offensive lineman on this on this line last week against the Panthers, and that's a good sign heading into this season. And it all goes back to Josh Allen. They need this offensive line to produce, 
to be effective because that's going to allow Josh Allen to kind of execute as the passer more so than having to, you know, uh, when things break down, have to make something happen himself, whether it be scrambling and throwing or scrambling and what we saw last year, leading the team in rushing. So let's talk a little more fun with the passing game here, and I mean the wide receivers. There's a lot going on with the hype of Colt Beasley, after, especially after last week's performance where he's just getting wide open and targeted heavily and often in his two drives that he's in the game. Cole Beasley and John Brown, their additions look to be truly invaluable at this point. But, Matt, I want to focus a little more on uh, a little lower down the depth chart, particularly in the middle of it. I'm I'm one of the people that is kind of questioning if Zay, Do- Zay Jones should be safe on this roster because I'm unfortunately seeing a guy who is not able to stick out in any what way whatsoever and to me that sounds like a guy who could be on the bubble of a roster spot you know i understand that that line of thinking and i and i don't, and you may be right like uh but from my perspective what i see in zay jones is a guy that's going into his third year has continuity with not only the quarterback but with the the offensive coordinator and he's a guy that right now they know what they have in Zay Jones. They had him all last year. Sean had him all the year before. They need to work on uh, getting Cole Beasley and John Brown, Tommy Sweeney, guys like that, uh, reps and comfortable in this offense. I think that Zay Jones is still going to be a factor. I think that the the uh, development uh, of the chemistry between Josh Allen and Cole Beasley is only going to help Zay Jones because I think – I think when when defenses are able to zero in on him, it makes him a little bit more ineffective. I think that they're going to be able to run a lot of three, four, five wide receiver sets. And that's when I think that Zay Jones becomes a real valuable weapon when they try to take Cole Beasley away. Well, you have Zay Jones, who, who, who's been proven to be able to take advantage of, uh, you know, being targeted the most on this team, having the most receptions, having the most touchdowns. And I think they like Listen, this coaching staff, this culture, you know, it thrives on guys that buy into the process, and that's what Zay Jones has done. He's taking special teams reps tomorrow night. He, he's arguably, you know, in the mix to be this team's number one wide receiver, not by all accounts. I understand that. I, I understand where you're coming from with that. But not too many guys that, you know, are the top one or two receivers on their team are going to be out there uh, mixing it up on special teams. And uh, I I just think that this is a team and, and, and where they're at uh, in the rebuild, they can't subtract playmakers. And what you can say about Zay Jones is he did prove, at least to a small degree last year, that he can make plays, he can be a reliable target, he can be somebody that, you know, there was a lot of garbage time production. And, and I think that that's something that he has to uh, rectify this year and be a little bit more prominent uh, in the in games when they're when they're, they're in contention, uh, but I think they like him, and I, I don't think I, I would say that Zay Jones's roster spot is not even close to being in jeopardy. Uh, and I think that more and more so from a team building perspective, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to cut a guy like like Zay Jones, who I think would have some value on the trade market. And I think if anything, if they were looking to move him or or, or, or to keep some other guys. I think they might entertain a trade rather than maybe uh, cutting him. Okay, so we heard from the coach yesterday, I believe, <clears throat> excuse me, that we will be seeing Dawson Knox for the first time. 
in uh, what we what we were told is a managed workload on Friday. So with that in mind, with sort of the breakout performance, I guess you could call it of Tommy Sweeney in the first couple of games, whether it be just out of necessity because of all the injuries at the position. What would you like to see, if anything, from Dawson Knox in this game, however many reps he may get, um, other than just getting out unscathed and healthy? Um, is there anything you need to see or like to see in particular from the third-round pick? Yeah, I'd like to see him make a play in the passing game. I mean, Tommy Sweeney is a guy that, you know, was was being billed as an all-around type of guy, but more known for his blocking coming in. And I think he's uh, really made an impact with his ability to, you know, run routes and uh, make plays. And uh, I talked to Lee Smith a couple weeks ago about him, and he said his quickness, his speed, his 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 understanding of route running at this level already has jumped off the page at Lee Smith, who's been in this league a while and seen a lot of things. So I think Dawson Knox, who's, you know, flashed that athleticism and that route running ability and playmaking ability, even though he's coming off of an injury, you'd like to see maybe him make a a few plays if he's out there for a series or two. Um, But, you know, there's a a lot of balls to go around in this offense. Uh, Zay Jones is going to be out there. Isaiah McKenzie's probably going to get some reps with the first team. Uh, John Brown should be out there. And obviously we've already seen what they've done with Cole Beasley. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to run a little bit more with Frank Gore and, and LaShawn McCoy both in the lineup with the first-team offense. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to make an impact. I mean, Tommy Sweeney took, took full advantage of his opportunity, but I still think they love what they have in Dawson Knox as a playmaker. And I think that there's plenty of opportunities for them both to make plays once this season gets going. I, I think Jason Kroom, he's in – you know, at this point, I think it's more likely that he gets cut, right, than he gets kept, and he's hurt. I don't know how much he's going to play tonight, if any, uh, which makes you think that, you know, he just hasn't had the opportunity to make plays. And I, and I don't think that if they cut him, any team's going to be running, uh, rushing to, to sign him to their roster or even their practice squad. So I think that, you know, Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney, the, the Bills have run a ton of uh, three tight end sets uh, over the course of training camp and practice. So, I think you just get him out there. Hopefully, you know, Josh Allen could try to look his way a couple of times, get to open in one of his routes and uh, go from there. But I think that they're in a little bit better position at the tight end spot than I think everybody may have thought a week or two ago because Tyler Croft is already uh, doing some significant work on the sidelines in terms of running and stretching and, uh, you know, putting some weight and, and, and some, uh, some leverage on that broken foot. So I think that maybe he could even be, be closer than, than maybe we anticipate as well. And, of course, one of the biggest questions remaining on the offense is a guy that became a bit of a star in the hearts of Bills fans last year in Robert Foster. Uh, Foster has not really been able to stand out this preseason. He hasn't been getting a lot of reps with the first team. But at the same time, it really does seem like he is relatively safe as well unless he just has terrible showings throughout the last two weeks. What's your gauge on Robert Foster so far from everything that you've seen? I mean, he's safe. Uh, There's no way that they're cutting Robert Foster, a guy that was a huge factor in their offense last season and somebody that already has proven to be able to make plays for Josh Allen. Uh, You'd love to see him do a little bit more than he's done, but the thing about Robert Foster is he did this same thing last year. He was invisible. He had drops. He had every member of the media questioning his ability to make catches and hold on to the football. And then, uh, you know, two weeks worth of practices that the media don't get to see, 
and they they keep him on the 53-man roster. So there's obviously something uh, with Robert Foster that this coaching staff likes, and I don't blame them because if you, you dial up that highlight reel last year, they obviously you know knew something that everybody else didn't know. And I, I think right now the big thing for Foster, an undrafted rookie going into his second year, is it's a big adjustment. And same thing for Zay Jones, to go from – an offense where you were the one or two guy to all of a sudden getting two vets like John Brown and Cole Beasley in who are going to take a ton of the looks away from you to then just try to figure out where, where you're going to get yours and how you're going to be effective with maybe playing a different position or doing, being asked to do different things. And Robert Foster and Jay Jones have been playing a ton of special teams throughout training camp. I mean, I've seen Robert Foster on every special teams unit uh, that they've, they've run, whether it be blocking and, gunning or you know whatever he hasn't been particularly great at it uh but i, I think it's, I, I think he's a big factor and big part of this offense and he's proven playmaker and i still think that at some point i think the hope is that they get they get a handle on what the weapons that they have and they're able to deploy brown and foster because if you have two downfield threats like that I just think you become so much more dangerous and it opens up so many more options for Josh Allen. And it's going to be, it's going to be a slow process because even you, you get to the Jets game, they've only been working with each other for a few, few months as, as a group. It's going to take some time to build that chemistry. But once they get there and Brian Dable gets, has an understanding of all of these different players, skill sets and how they can kind of mesh together. I think that's when you have a, a chance to be a really good offense. And last thing I got here for you, Matt, is um, you mentioned this Jets game. And a a lot through this preseason, we haven't seen a lot of run blocking from this first-line offense because we've seen the focus of getting as many reps for Josh Allen as humanly possible. And one of the major reasons of LaShawn McCoy's dismal season last year was a terrible run-blocking offensive line. You go into this Jets game, and they're going to be missing two of their starting linebackers from last season for uh, available bodies for them starting week one, one with a four-game suspension, the other with Avery Williamson tearing his knee and being done for the whole season. So I'm very excited to see what this team can do with a little more focus on the run, and I'm going to guess that we might see a little bit more of that tomorrow night as well. Yeah, um, I I think that, you know, that game's going to come down to Josh Allen versus Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I, I do think that they're going to want to run the ball better than they did last year. And actually, it's funny because LaShawn McCoy's one big uh, game came against the Jets last year with Matt Barkley uh, in there as well. But uh, I, I definitely think – I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this right guard spot. I think that that's going to have a big impact. I think Cody Ford can be a really dynamic run blocker uh, once he settles in at that right guard spot. But also, you know, you have to wonder where, where's his comfort level – uh, right, right from the jump with maybe not getting as many reps as you would have hoped. You go back to last year, and, and we talked a lot about Josh Allen's slow development being kind of uh, you, you dial things back and you look at the fact that he didn't get those first-team reps right off the jump, and a lot of people use that as the reason why it took him a little bit longer. Well, with Cody Ford, you have to wonder where he may, may have been at at this point if he's literally just been going at right guard since the beginning of uh, rookie minicamp. Uh, so I think that there's still a level of development there. Uh, John Feliciano, it remains to be seen. He looked good at center, but at right guard, he started a few games, and it's been mixed results. So, And that's another thing I want to bring up. They brought in a lot of new pieces on this offensive line, and they've looked good so far in two preseason games. But we haven't really gotten out 
and really let them stretch their legs a little bit and get out get out into the race here with a couple starts against you know first team defenses. So I, you definitely want to temper expectations in terms of you know where this run game is going to be. I think that they can be good. I think that they can be improved. Uh, but I'm also not sold on LaShawn McCoy. I, I, I think that I've liked what I've seen out of Devin Singletary. I think it's going to be hard to keep him off of the field. And if, the, if you get through a game or two and that yards per carry average is still sitting at about three to three and a half yards a carry for LaShawn McCoy, which, again, it has been this preseason going up against, you know, uh, lackluster defenses, you have to start to wonder, man, do we turn this over to the youngster? Because I just don't know how long you can wait. When you, when you are in a position, I know Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are safe. Uh, I don't think that there's any type of job uh, insecurity when it comes to either of those two. But this is year three of this regime. You have to start winning. And if your running game is non-existent after all the things that you did to improve it this offseason, I think you have to look to that youngster because you spent a third-round draft pick on him. Matt, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today here on the Leftovers Podcast. Let the good people know where they could find your work. I am over at NY Up. That's the best way to uh, to remember it. NY Up. That's the brand, you know. But it's NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse.com. Um, you can find all my work there. But follow me on Twitter, at Matt Perino. All my stuff will be on there. We'll have some cool stories coming out over the next week here. Uh, as we lead up to uh, you know tomorrow's game, obviously, but then the all-important fourth preseason game when you know the 49, 50, 51, 52, and 53 spot on this roster is going to be determined. I can't wait to dive into that. <laughs> and by the way, if you're not following Matt Perino at this point on the Bills beat, what are you doing with your life as a, as a Bills fan and consuming any sort of Bills media? Matt, thank you for taking the time, and uh, hey. I'm with you. I'm looking forward to that fourth preseason game because, like you, I like diving into the bottom of that roster and seeing those jobs get won or lost based on what happens there. And also, that means it's the last preseason game. We get to dive into the regular season. For sure. Guys, thank you so much for having me. All right. Matt, thanks for taking the time, brother. Thank you. Take care. That was Matt Perino of New York Upstate, all-around good dude. And, you know, very – very notable and knowledgeable Bills beat reporter who knows what he's talking about. He knows his stuff. And he's always fun to talk to, and it's always good to have him on along with us. Kyle, it's here. We're we're getting to it. It's almost it's almost here. The regular season's getting here. And I'm the palpable excitement when you talk with someone about it just makes you feel all giddy inside. Yeah, it definitely snuck up. It did, didn't I it? I would say. It snuck up. You're not wrong there. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Now, it's Thursday. And you know what that means, right? Let me see. Yes, I do know. Yes, it's time. The dummy of the week. Dante, I'm trying to fight these demons, but I'm dummy thick and the clap of my ass keeps alerting them. That's right, kids. It's time for the dummy of the week. And this one's pretty easy today because 
right before the show, you bring up an article, a news piece about a certain player on a division rival. And oh, this mm. is this is too easy. Listen to me. <laughs> if you're a uh, if you're an NFL player and you got lots of money and everything like that, the last thing you need is any sort. If you play in the NFL, the last thing you need is a drug charge, even possession of marijuana. That's going to land you four games, son. So Patrick Chung decided to go ahead and up the ante by a thousand, and he is arrested for felony cocaine possession charges. Whew. Listen, powdered donuts make people go nuts, but at the same time, I don't think that that's a good idea there, son. So Patrick Chung, you win yourself very easily by a landslide, the dummy of the week. I love this league, man. I'm reading. <laughs> I love it. Like, I'm reading Roto World. Uh, you ready for this? I'll read it. I'll read it to you. You tell me which part sticks out. Oh, boy. The alleged, I'll, I'll emphasize it anyway because it's funny. The alleged incident occurred in late July, and he'll face an arraignment next Wednesday, which is just over a week before the regular season. There are obviously potential consequences here, including suspension. But they'll probably wait until after the legal process plays out before moving on that front. Obviously, potential consequences? I think he means that as those potential con- consequences are very, very clear. Like, it's obvious that those things are going to Do that have to be said? I mean, yes and no. Who are we appealing to? (laughs) In case you were wondering, this isn't good, is what he's saying. Yes, of course. If you live under a rock, if you have, I don't know. Potentially. Obviously, The way I read it, I was just like, yeah, thanks. I appreciate you yeah, pointing no. that out. Here's me. here's the potential consequences. This is the Goodell banhammer. Here we go. And that is Patrick Chung for at least four games. That's that's going to happen. Like that's real life. Let's talk about real life for a second here. Patrick Chung is going to be suspended. Patrick Chung is going to not play for the New England Patriots at minimum for four games. And I hope that it starts with the first four weeks or gets started any time before week four. Because that means no Patrick Chung against the Buffalo Bills. That's right. I was just Am I being see. selfish? Yes. I was just going to see if that was in the first four weeks. And yeah. I don't mind f- feeling bad about saying this because, dude, you got arrested for cocaine possession. Yeah, the Jets The Jets in week one are banged up. They've got suspensions to deal with. They've got guys out for the season. What have you been got... told as a kid? Crack is whack. That's I remember that. The D.A.R.E. program. Crack is whack. Why you got it? Look, man, you don't need booger sugar to be a better football player. <laughs> what are you doing? Whew, man. But they, they win with grace and dignity, though. Remember that, though. The Patriot way. Honestly, if the Patriot way actually means a damn, he's going to get cut, like, tomorrow. It'd be a sad way to go, too, because... I know he was with a high-powered guy, and it's 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 a team you love to hate. But Patrick Chung did some pretty incredible things late in his thirties. Yes, he really did have a very solid career in the back end for the Patriots. But He's really wide-eyed, very attentive, <laughs> very focused. 
It's okay, not Adderall. I'm saying this like I know. <laughs> uh, don't do drugs, kids. Otherwise, you're going to get random people on a podcast laughing at you. Yes, that is the reason not to do it. Now you're going down the uh, Roto World rabbit hole. And I see a Mitchell Marner name there. I also see Colin White. What's up with Colin White? Got a six-year extension yesterday with the Senators. How much? Twenty-eight million, twenty-eight and a half. Not awful money. It's not, it's well. It's ooh, a long contract see. for a kid that hasn't. Forty-one points. Former first-round pick. Yes, we know that was the pick that Robin Leonard was traded with. But he's making just under five million dollars a year. <laughs> We're a team. Look, I get that they got to get to the cap floor, but that's going to have long-term ramifications. Ugh. Well, keep being you, Ottawa. Sure, why not? He might plug in as a first-line center. I guess, I guess speaking of drugs, right? Right. I'm a terrible human being, and I don't care. But thank you for listening to the Leftovers Podcast. I'm Derek Kramer. I'm Kyle Powell. And you have been listening to this podcast and we thank you for listening and hey you know what Bills Lions preseason game number three Friday night eight o'clock good luck trying to stay up in the second half of that one kids and um, hey you know what as they always say crack is still quite whack Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.